0: Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today and for the next two weeks, as, two sessions as well, I will um, reflect on Psalm 90. So for today, we will look at Psalm 90 verse 1 to 6. Next Tuesday, we will look at verse 7 to 12 and then we'll close to verse 13 to 17. So let's first look at the first six verses. Let's pray before we read this. Father, we ask that you bring truth and reality into our lives, that we may live with a perspective of you as our loving God, at the same time that there's nothing great about us. Help us, Lord, then, to live in this perspective of people who are loved, deeply loved, but also as people who are humble, there is nothing that we can boast about. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Throughout the Bible there are many passages that tell us about how God exalts the humble, the lowly, and brings down the haughty. Let me just read read just three of them. In Psalm 138 verse 6, the psalmist says, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. And then in Luke 1 52, it is said that, God has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And then again in James 4 verse 6, writer says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. One of our questions then is, is this just the way God is? That He likes the humble and the poor and He doesn't like the arrogant? Well, that's part of the truth. But in Psalm 90, there is a perspective that gives us that God does care for his people and therefore he cares for the humble and the lowly. But at the same time that the haughty are sadly and badly mistaken about their arrogance and their reason for pride, that as they look at their lives and where they stand before God in all of creation, there is nothing that they have that could allow them to boast. And so it's not just that God doesn't like the haughty or the arrogant. It's simply that the haughty and the arrogant have failed to see realities in their lives. That their arrogance is sadly very misplaced. And we'll look at this in its perspective. But first we look at God's favour towards the poor. In verse 1, Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. What's a dwelling place? A dwelling place is a home. And what do you think of in a perfect home? First, you think of safety. When you are at home, you can shut the doors and you are, you are safe from intruders, physical safety. You're safe from um, the weather, from intruders, from people who want to hurt you. There is a great sense of safety when you're at home. But there is also a sense of emotional safety when you are at home. That the people, after you've had a hard day of work and your boss has been screaming at you, that you go home and you find safety in the warmth of the home. And so the second thing that I can think of in a home is warmth. That's where there is love. That's where there is family togetherness. Home is where you find warmth and love excuse me and then there is rest when you feel loved and cared for you are able to rest as well when you feel safe that's when you really can bring down your guard and find rest and perhaps finally it would be provision it is at home that you have a nice meal together with loving family And so when you think about home, you think about safety, provision, warmth, and rest. Of course, these days it's a little little distorted because you have to think about work as well, work from home, but that wasn't what it was meant to be. That home is a safe place. And so when Moses says, God, you are my home, it is that sense of safety and provision, of warmth, of rest. But when you think about Moses' life, he should be the last person to talk about God being his home because Moses was, to a large extent, homeless. He was a displaced person. Moses was born a Hebrew, but for the first 40 years of his life, he was brought up in obviously great luxury. He was royalty in the Egyptian court. We don't know when he discovered, began to discover that he wasn't Egyptian, that he was a Hebrew. When he discovered then that though he was royalty in Egypt, he was really an alien in a foreign court. That must have caused him to feel like, although I am royalty and treated like royalty, I'm not really at home. And truth be told, then one day as he saw the Roman. Oppressors beat a man, a Hebrew. He went to defend the Hebrew and kill the Roman uh, the Egyptians, or he went to kill the Egyptian slave driver. For that, he became a fugitive. In the next 40 years, he spent in median, the wilderness in median. Maybe it was a peaceful life, but it wasn't home either. It was among a foreign people living as a nomad in a tent that wasn't home as well and then after that he went back and took the is the hebrews out of egypt for 40 years they traveled in the wilderness dry arid place moving every day there was no home for him And yet, Moses, as he wrote this psalm, and remember that he wasn't settled in the promised land, although he saw the promised land from afar, he never reached, never touched the promised land. But as he looked back at his life, he realised that though he was a displaced person, though he was a homeless person, God was his home. That he found his security and his warmth, his rest in God not even in the physical surroundings that he must have longed for so much. Many of us don't live in perfect homes. The homes that we live in, perhaps, are not safe places, not safe physically, not safe emotionally. We worry about abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse. Home is a shaky place where we live. For others, there may not even be a home. There may be homeless people. There may be displaced people far from their countries. Each of them is a homeless person. I discovered that God was my home when I was a young boy. I didn't come from a very happy home because my parents were constantly shouting at each other. Home was a painful place. It was a place where I longed for love, where I longed for security and warmth. Sometimes I found it, sometimes I didn't. But each time my parents started scolding each other and fighting, I would be so scared and I would hide under the bed, not knowing what to do. It was in those days that I discovered that I could talk to God, that God was safety for me. I could tell God everything, I could tell God how I did in school, how badly I did or how well I did, and know that God would not punish me or scold me, that it was safe for me to confide in Him. I knew that I could rest in Him and find warmth. So every night, as, even as I heard the noises downstairs, I would sit in the balcony and I would talk to God and pour my heart out to God, and I found that God was and is my home. And So for each of you who doesn't feel safe in your homes, know that just as Moses discovered that though he was physically homeless, God is his home. But it also carries a very heavy burden on me as I think of those who are homeless, those in Singapore, children, young children whose homes are not safe places. I long for them also to find a God who is their home. For those who are homeless, those who are far from home, the migrant workers, not just the laborers but the maids who live in someone else's home and often do not find safety in those homes as well. My hope and my longing is that they too find in God a home. But it calls for us to pray because each person, each of among our brothers and sisters, not just Christians but everyone in the world, whether in places of Afghanistan or Middle East or Myanmar in many war torn countries, that they too may find God as their dwelling place. Because God indeed is our home. And He's not just a just the home because the next verse says that before the mountains were born or the world was brought forth from everlasting to everlasting, God is God. It's a beautiful thought that God is not just our home but He is eternal and powerful. He is the God who can help us. But we look now at the arrogant and the misplaced arrogance. First of all, God says you turn people back to dust, saying return to dust you mortals, dust, another word for dust is dirt, you know as I was thinking of that word I thought of a bodybuilder and a bodybuilder building his body but he wasn't building his body, he was building a lump of dirt, well apologies to bodybuilders I don't say that it is wrong to exercise, it's good but just that knowledge that the things that we are proud of, all the accomplishments that we're proud of whether it is building our body or the pride in our intellect That our intellect, our brains, is merely a mush of dust and dirt as well. Mud, really? It is frail, it is perishable, it is biodegradable. That each part of us that we are so proud of, the successes that we have, the acumen that we have, that we may have risen to the top and feel proud that we, because of our abilities, we have gone very far. And the perspective is this that we are nothing but dirt and dust. For all then that we are proud of, perhaps it is badly misplaced, because there's nothing to be proud of, a lump of dirt. But the psalmist goes on and he says, A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by, or like a watch in the night. And I liked two perspectives from that. The first perspective is that the institutions or the nations that we build don't last very long. As we look at the span of history, just within a thousand years, empires have come, empires have gone, countries have risen and countries have fallen. There's nothing very lasting about any empire. And so I find great folly as even as I listen to the news and Think of America calling themselves Make America Great Again. When? How? It's going to fall. Because from outside we see a failing and a collapsing economy and a collapsing nation. But it's not just America. It's many of the previously successful countries. England, for example, it's it's falling apart. It's nothing to be proud of. The nation that used to be the premium nation, where the universities were institutions of pride now carry very little. In a few years, there will be nothing. And then we think about Singapore. Why, Why are we constantly proud that we are the best at everything? It is good that we do well. We thank God for it and we thank God for our government and we thank our government but it's one thing to be grateful, another thing to take pride, nationalistic pride, because really there's nothing to be proud of. We are successful today and we are gone tomorrow. We will be in the ashes in a few years' time. A thousand years is nothing. As we look at the span of history, it's nothing that our institutions can be proud of. Even as I look at mega churches, I think the same. Pastors work their lives out, not so much for the gospel, but to build an empire in their churches. One generation, here today, gone tomorrow. We realise then, as we look in perspective, that there's nothing to be arrogant about, nothing really to take pride about. In all that we do, there must be something, something much more to our lives than being proud of ourselves. But the other perspective of time is this, that this thousand years and one day is not mathematically accurate. What it's saying is that our lives, our times, and our fortunes are in the hands of God. Just as much as things that we think we wish would last a thousand years really don't, the other perspective is that what God can accomplish in one day may need a thousand, be something that we thought would take a thousand years. Jesus ministered only for three years and he saved the entire world. I have friends who have just turned to God and allowed God to work in their lives. In one year, could have done so much more than all of us could in our entire lives. The truth is that God, when God is at work, time is immaterial. God's timing is very different from our timing. Sometimes we pray and we look at things that we pray for, the people that we pray for, and we say, God will never change my husband. God will never transform my children. It will take a thousand years for anything to happen. And yet in God's hands, things could just happen in the twinkling of an eye. And so as we turn to God and as we commit our lives to God, saying, God, my life is in your hands, do as you will, we discover that God can work great miracles through us in the twinkling of an eye. But those who slog it off and labour for a name, for eternal, for for posterity, often discover that the edifices that we build do not last at all. Because our times and our fortunes are in the hands of God. But the last part says then that you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and with it. It is a realization that there is beauty in each of us. We are like the new grass that springs up, and that beauty has a purpose, it feeds others, it brings joy and beauty to others. And so we live for the moment in that sense. Of course, sometimes we do have to save our money and all that. But realizing that our lives are very brief, and we see our usefulness as at a certain time, and we offer to God whatever we have and whoever we are. Because when our lives are offered to God, then we are like the new grass that springs up for that moment, for that time. And we are a blessing to those around us, to those who need our presence. We are a great delight. But after that then, we realise too that we cannot build edifices for ourselves, because we too, our lives on earth, will fade away. And so it's good news for the lowly and for the poor and for the homeless, because God indeed will be our dwelling place. But it's also perspective for arrogant and for pride, for, for proud and arrogant people. Take a perspective that our lives are brief, that all that we build up will crumble, because we are but dust. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that though we be nothing, Though we are dust, yet You are our home. You provide for us a safe place. You provide for us a warmth and a love. You provide for us, Lord. I pray then for each person, for as many people as are here and are in Your creation, they may find You as their dwelling place. I pray especially for those in Singapore for children and families that do not find their homes a safe place. I pray for those who do not have homes at all. I pray for those who are outside of their homes, workers who come to Singapore as guests, as labourers, and often badly miss their homes. I pray Lord that they may find you, find in you. A dwelling place, that they may find the security and the warmth and the rest in you. Father, we pray too that you give us the impetus to reach out, to allow others to know that you are our dwelling place. Father, we ask for your forgiveness too in our arrogance in our pride over ourselves and our achievements. Allow us to see that we are nothing but dirt allow us to see that nothing that we build with our hands will last, that we may not be proud and haughty, but we may understand and realize that we are here for a purpose, for a moment, to be blessings to others. And after that, Lord, we return to You no more on earth. Give us that perspective, we pray, for we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Well then, I hope that you have a blessed rest of the week. I really hope to see you all this Sunday as well. This Sunday is Holy Communion, and we are uh, open to all vaccinated persons. We have a capacity of hundred. Do come and join us. Uh, Tanti Koon will be bringing God's message to us, and I look forward then to seeing as many of you as will come to join us together on site but for those who are more vulnerable to stay home and join us also online. So God bless you all and goodbye.